0: Is the planet's ultimate game there
1: may well be a storm brewing here tonight in many senses what
0: can happen today
1: we wonder
2: Dissecting the pitch. What it do, baby? It is time for this edition of Dissecting the Pitch here on blazeradioonline.com, as well as our podcast platforms on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Final episode of the semester here. Gareth Kwok alongside my co-host Edwin Perez and Miller McKinney. We had a little week hiatus off Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and I know the holidays are coming up so we thought we might get one more episode before we take a little short break but gentlemen, how are you both doing on this fine uh, fine evening?
1: What it do, flight crew? Uh, you're doing good, you know? Uh, I love Garrett, had such a grand idea for the introduction. I didn't realize he was going to go down that route so appreciate it. You know, start off the day well. Uh, it's been great. You know, got, got to catch a lot of football. You know, me and Miller are Definitely not in the same room, but we still watched some soccer together. So that was definitely some uh, great old footy time. We watched a great old West Ham win. I know Miller was sweating off because he he had a bet. You know, he can talk about that more than I will. But, yeah, it was a great time. A lot of great football, you know, Champions League and all that. So can't complain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like I talked about, you know, a lot of soccer this week. So that's always a good week. Um, never betting on West Ham ever again. <laughs> um heart attack fc as i'm now gonna call them but you know uh they got the dub and excited for this episode
2: yeah absolutely uh you said you guys did you guys did you watch some footy you mean footsies what, what 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 was going on there
1: just called footy good old footy you know you
2: Get old you, footy okay i was yeah, making sure that was, in, i know there's footsies the Get out of here, Mr. Flight Crew. <laughs> Let's continue this. We got a jam-packed show. We're going to be diving into Champions League Match Day 5. Already uh, almost done with... Um, can't believe already almost done with the group stage, but um, we also are going to be talking Premier League. We got La Liga, our usual table updates, and then we're going to be diving into, into our DTP World 11. Stay tuned for that. That should be fun, but uh, Miller time Edwin segment we got the whole shebang and we're going to start off with Champions League match day five let's start off with uh Real Madrid versus Shakhtar Donets 2-0 uh, Shakhtar they get the double over Los Blancos two goals in the second half propels Shakhtar to second place in the group Real Madrid now in third they're on the outside looking in so uh, gentlemen Could we really see Real Madrid out of the Champions League as early as the group stage? This would be the first time they'd be uh, out of the uh, Champions League in this group stage part since 1996-1997. But what do you make of Shakhtar getting their second win over Real in the group stage?
1: It's truly shocking. Um, I mean, you know, as a Barcelona fan, you're going to wish that they crash out. I mean, there's already people preparing for their failure. It'd be very interesting interesting to see them go to the Europa League. I'll tell you that much. But I mean, when you look at this Shakhtar team, you know, people are gonna be like, "Oh, but the Shakhtar team, you know, they're surprising people and things like that." But you gotta realize the Shakhtar team's not that good. I mean, they've lost in aggregate 10 to zero to Gladback. So this is not a good team, you know, in Shakhtar. Yes, they. I'm not saying I'm not discrediting them. They have the good players. They have a lot of Brazilians that can do a lot of work and all that. And, you know, they, they I guess they know, they know how to compete against Real Madrid. So you got to give them credit there. But I mean, a team, you're Real Madrid, the prestige you have, the players you have, the talent you have, and you're losing against a team that can't even beat the top of the group, Monte Inglouinch and Gladback, 10 to 0 in aggregate. I think that's a lot of issues on you and what's happening. Yes, I understand they're arresting some people. It wasn't their fault. Team, but at the same time, you have such talent, you're at such depth, you're known for that. And yet you're losing games like that where you, I mean, you just couldn't, you just couldn't finish it, finish chances. And when you're, when you have so, so many good attacking options so to do that, I think is truly disappointing. Again, I think the worry for Real Madrid is they're facing this Manti-Gladbach team who, you know, has a chance to win the group. You know, they need to win. You know, if manti gladback won their last game, you know, they could relax a little bit, but they need this win to actually move on. And, you know, Shakhtar team is going to face Inter Milan, who's been ups and downs. So it is very worrisome when you look at the group. I mean, this is a real team with the coach and has all the talent. So if they, if they don't pass this, I think it's truly a failure.
0: Yeah, I think that this is just honestly, when you look at it, this group is a lot tougher than a lot of people made it out to be in the beginning. Um, because, you know, everybody's looking at the last group with Manchester United and PSG and Leipzig. Uh, and Istanbul being the group of death but I think that this group is a lot more close than that group is um just from the fact that even though Istanbul has played well and we could talk about that at another time but Shakhtar is honestly one of those teams that you know they do well in their domestic league and and they have some players on their team like Tyson um uh there's some other guys out there that that play for the Brazilian team as well um Not really a whole lot, but, you know, can get called up to the squad if they need to. And they've got some really good talent over there, but they're not one of the, you know, cornerstone teams in Champions League. So I think that this is one of those things where a lot of people looked at it and they were surprised that Real Madrid lost the first time around to this team. And a lot of people such as myself um, looked at it and said, there's no way Real Madrid loses this game uh, a second time around. You know when they're playing them again they did they they you know they played even worse than they did the first time which is saying a lot so the thing is also I think that you know this is kind of brought to my eyes I think to a lot of other people's eyes as well that Rafael Varan is definitely not in the top 10 center backs in the world right now because of how he's playing he's been a huge liability and it was his fault the first goal it was just the miscommunication a bad touch um And he's made a lot of mistakes on, you know, their own side of the pitch right in front of the goal. And that's led to a lot of problems for Real Madrid because they haven't been solid defensively uh, in the absence of Sergio Ramos as somebody that's able to lift that team up time and time again. So when they don't have that and they have to go play with high intensity, I think that they've had a lot of problems as well as Carvajal has been out the last, you know, year or two, uh, a lot due to injuries. And so I think, you know, they're sliding in Lucas Vasquez of all people back there at right back. So I think Real Madrid is having a really tough time right now. Um, obviously, you know, they finally got rid of Gareth Bale. Benzema is trying to put that team on his back. Cruz um, and Modric really haven't done a whole lot as of late uh, to create and kind of be the players that they want once were. So I think this Real Madrid team is just playing on, you know, uh, just not only tired legs, but but players that just haven't really worked well together over a span of uh, – part of last season and going into this season as well. So I think that this is one of those games that Real Madrid's going to have to look back and say, if they do eventually, you know, go out of the Champions League and have to be playing in Europa League football next year, sorry that I'm laughing while I'm saying that. But if you're not laughing too, then that's a problem. But I I think that, you know, they're going to look back at it and say, you know, this uh, Gladbach team is playing really well. while you know, it's from Milan before, you know, Wednesday of this week. Uh, Inter Milan had two points in their group and Inter Milan was really struggling, you know, not to score goals necessarily, but to win games. So I think that Real Madrid is going to look at this as a major missed opportunity and something that should never happen.
2: And I think a follow up question, when you look at this table and how a lot of people thought it might be. Real Madrid, Inter Milan at the beginning of this right when the groups came out, you got Munchen Gladbach first with eight points, Shakhtar in second with seven. They got the tiebreaker over Real Madrid, with uh, Real Madrid in third right now with seven points. Inter Milan, there's, they still have a chance. They're in fourth with five. They got a big win uh, this this week, um, over over Munchen Gladback three to two. So now, uh, gentlemen, I'm gonna. I know we had made our picks earlier um, before the group stage, but I'm now gonna let you decide here. Next week, which two teams are moving on? It's going to be uh, Inter Milan, who will be taking on Shakhtar next week, and then Real Madrid versus Mönchengladbach. So which two teams move on in Group B?
1: I'll let you go first, Miller, the Real Madrid expert.
0: The Real Madrid expert says that Real Madrid will, in fact, be playing Europa League football if they continue this. And next week, I really like Inter Milan. Uh, You know, they got a big win today or not today but you know this week uh, so I think that Gladbach is probably going to play Real Madrid you know as hard as they did last time they're going to play a really good game and all they necessarily have to do is probably tie to be able to move on so I, I'm going to take Inter Milan to come all the way back and Gladbach to
2: be able to win the group
0: wow huge Good
2: prediction. started from the bottom now they're ah, they there <laughs> wow
1: i love the prediction uh, I love he you
2: took a page out of your playbook with the boldness
1: i know i i, I, I really do
2: appreciate it because
1: i also agree for the first time we're going to be uh, seeing Zidane coach some uh, europa league football i think it'll be a great it'll, it'll be a great viewing i'll personally enjoy it a little more uh, it may, it may draw Europa League ratings up, so it may be good for them. But uh, I, I do see oh, – my my struggle is more the fact – I think Gladbach is going to win that game, so I think I do see them moving on. My my struggle is between Shakhtar and Inter Milan because I think Inter Milan has the talent, and they easily could beat that team, Lukaku, Lutaro. Got all that talent there. But I really do like how resilient this Shaktar team's also been. Or they picked up crucial points against Real Madrid. I mean that's the most the majority of points that they got is from Real Madrid. Um last time it was a good matchup zero zero. But I'm you know, I'm i I'm gonna ride Shakhtar. You know, I, I think they deserve it. but uh, I, I do see it's fair if Intermal moves on, but I'm gonna keep it as is. First place Gladback, second place Shakhtar. good games overall. So um, but Real Madrid is, is gonna play Europa League football, is my prediction overall.
2: Well, that's gonna be a, a- a group to monitor next week. I'm sure that will be very exciting to see how those finishes will line up. But let's now move down to Group H, another really hotly contested group uh, between PSG and Manchester United and Leipzig. And the game that we're detailing here, PSG versus Manchester United. And this time it was PSG. They got the three-one victory after United got the the victory last time they faced off against one another. But Neymar returned; he scored a pair of goals. And United, after winning their first two games, they have lost two of their last three. And for PSG, they're now in a three-way tie with Leipzig and United for first place. With all three of those teams have nine points each. Um, of course, there's some tiebreakers involved, but and all that. But I, that will be again, you know, decided, you know, on the final match day next week. And so PSG. Uh, they've had some momentum. I'll start with you, Miller. Uh, What, what were you, what did you see from, from this one? Um, PSG looked like they looked like it was, it was some old PSG uh, out on the pitch. I'm
0: apologize to Edwin in advance. Edwin, you better go ahead and get comfortable in there uh, because this might be a little bit long, Um, but really quick. I just want to say that after watching these two teams play each other this year, um, you know, after United knocked PSG out of Champions League the last time United were in it two years ago, um, a lot of people were looking at it and wondering before this group even started, you know, could United hold their own weight uh, in this group with a team in Leipzig that went really far last year? Yes, they did lose Timo Werner, um, but, you know, there's a lot of other guys that they filled in and have played really well for them. So they're still going to be a good team, still a big obstacle to be able to hurdle over to get to the top of this group. And obviously we've seen that since it's such a close group right now. But the the thing that I want to say is United is another one of those teams that on their best day, they can beat anyone. And on their worst day, they can lose to anyone. And we've seen that. So, you know, the thing is, is watching this game today, um, I don't know how much you guys watched it or kept up with it, but United was the better team in this game. A thousand percent. There was one issue two issues actually, pardon me, uh, with Fred in the first half because, you know, some things got chippy between Scott McTominay and Neymar. Let me just say, Scott McTominay had that kid on a bike lock for the first half, even though, you know, he goes and scores two goals, whatever. But the thing is, is that it was getting really chippy and Fred did something in the middle of the game where he tried to headbutt, Ferretta is on the other team, and that's an automatic red card. So what's controversial is this was called as a yellow card after VAR review, which a lot of people are saying, how did this happen? Because the two options when they go to VAR for this are either he's going to get a red card or he's going to get nothing and it's going to be a warning, which should have gotten the red card, but he gets the yellow. So somehow Fred stays in the game, and this is in the first half. So if United lose a player, you know, they go down to 10 men, they're playing a high-powered offensive PSG. There's no way they win this game if they go down a man that early. So by somehow, by the grace of God, United is, is granted access to keep playing with 11 players. And while they were still playing with 11 players, not only did they score a goal off a of deflection to get back into the game, but they looked like the better team throughout the middle part of the game, the last part of the first half and opening the first 20 minutes of the second half, because Cavani tried to chip, tried to chip Kaler Navas almost had a really nice goal. There's some really good chances in front of goal for United. They should have been leading this game before they conceded the second one. They concede the second one and almost like snap of the fingers after that, Fred makes a terrible challenge because he had a bad touch on a ball and then he gets sent off. He has a red card. This is it. So now United is playing down 10 players. And, and even then they still looked in the last minutes of the game down to one that they were going to come back and tie it. And then, you know, they, they had a, uh, some bad passes, some mistakes in the middle of the field while they were on offense with 10 players, and it formed into a transition for PSG, and they scored a goal, and it, the, the scoreline is 3-1. It's not really indicative of how the game went, but it's just frustrating as a United fan, as a soccer fan, to watch a team that can be so good but also be so bad at the same time when they're playing these games and not being able to finish their chances that you really just don't know with one game left who who's gonna be the two teams to make it through because United could go and play their best game next week against Leipzig. We've already seen them beat them five to zero the last time we played them. Or is it going to be the other side of the coin and they're gonna lose three to zero against Leipzig. So I don't I really just I I don't know. It depends on the lineups. It depends on the players. Marcus Rashford went out of the game with an injury, you know, midway through the game. So I think it's just gonna be really interesting next week to watch.
1: You, you good there? I just had to make sure, because I, I know you went in there. I just had to make sure you're done. <laughs> just had to make sure you're done. Uh, <clears throat> here's the thing, you know. I think Man United was the better team, you know, for the most part. I think, you know, we both agree on that. The thing is, people like McConaughey had to step on Neymar's legs, you know, tell him to chill out a little bit, you know, make sure he got in his head, you know. He, he did a little dirty things, which is fair. I mean, that's what works against Neymar. You get into his head, that's what's going to work. But that's why he kind of kept them a little quiet. But, I mean, Neymar, for the first 10 minutes, played brilliant. I think he had Man United's defense and absolutely rattled. But then after that, the middle of the game, both Moppet and Neymar disappeared. So you had to give credit to Man United to control it and create chances. But when you do control the game, you got to, you know, score more. I mean, their only only goals off of a reflection. And people at I Man United fans were excited, fairly so. But you got to realize that was a deflection. People were saying Martial had him in the pocket. It was either, was it Martial? I think it was Martial. People on Twitter were like, oh, he has PSG's defense in his pocket. I was like, fairly so. But I mean, here's the thing it was a deflection. I mean, there was other chances he could have completed, but no one's going to talk about that. But then also, when he goes second half, Fred, yeah, he deserved the red, So They got even lucky that Fred was even out there at that point. They could have, they should have taken him off before that. because, I mean, Fred has been trippy the whole time, so you know it's going to happen. And things like that where, you know, those little things made, made or break the game. But also people don't recognize Neymar's last effort because on that counterattack, he's the one who first got the tackle. He, he removed him and made the play moving forward. So, I mean, at the, end, at the end of the day, it was just a big play overall for for Neymar and just a great win for PSG. Like I said last time, the thing about PSG, they – they're not the best team, but they'll they'll get you when you give them chances, and that's what they didn't do in the first game. They did it now, and that group got very interesting now.
2: It, it's becoming a quite the dogfight down there in in Group H when you have, uh, you have three of those teams, and and I'm sorry, the Istanbul that that's that's not really part of the conversation, but you have these three powerhouses that will be going at it. it. It should be fun to see how that will shape up for next week. Uh, it will be PSG They gets a favorable draw. They're going to be playing Istanbul, Shir on Tuesday, December 8th. And so, meanwhile, for United and for Leipzig, that's going to be quite the matchup against one another as well on Tuesday. So, um, again, it's a, it's, it's a big spot. Uh, it could have been a, bit, a big opportunity for United, but instead they fall to PSG. Leipzig gets a big victory right now. And so um, let's move on now to our last notable game from this match day five, and it's Sevilla versus Chelsea. We don't We don't talk a whole lot about Chelsea, but I think we should with the form that they have been playing with. And with Olivier Giroud, who got in the highlights, or I should say in the headlines today, for four goals, a 4-0 win over Sevilla, he scored all four. And if you want to put put into perspective Chelsea's performance as of late, they haven't lost a single game yet in group stage play in the Champions League. In five games, they have scored 13 goals. They have conceded one. That is quite the uh, stat there under their new, uh, new goalkeeper, Edouard Mendy. And so... Uh, gentlemen, is is Chelsea, are they are they a top three team in the Champions League right now?
1: I mean, if you look at strictly form, not who they're playing anything like that, you'd have to say yes. I mean, when you just look on results, I think you really gotta give them Mandy playing well, the teams finally calibrating, things like that. So when you look at strictly that, I think you would have to say yes. But I mean, at the same time got to take into account talent and all that, which then I don't think they are necessarily a top three. I think they're on their way to be. I I, I just don't think they are that right now. But, again, when you just look at what they've done, yes, not the hardest group in the world, but at the same time, you got to give them credit because, I mean, Giroud is playing out of his mind. I mean, there's even questions if he should start over Tammy Abraham when it comes to Premier League, which – you know that that could go either way depending on the way you look at it but uh yeah just you gotta you got to give credit to Chelsea the way they played all that I mean scoring goals in the Champions League even against smart opponents is very hard um even on the road and things like that but they've taken care of business so you gotta give credit to them truly for what they've done so far so gotta gotta credit them but top three form yes but overall talent that is in the Champions League no at least me personally but uh it's, it's, very, it's a very interesting question, and I was, I was going to talk to Miller about this, and I'll maybe propose a question to him. Do you start Olivier Giroud now in the Premier League
0: with the form that he's carrying? Well, I think that, you know, mentioning a few things, and there's a couple of things to keep in mind, you know, while discussing these two teams. Um, the first, I'm going to answer your question. Uh, Giroud is one of those players, he's more of an old-school striker um an early 2000s striker you know a big guy with a big body that knows how to use his head they can get up there and hold the ball and I think that that's something that that a lot of teams now are trying to stray away from they're trying to get more guys like Timo Werner guys that are fast and you know less built on physique and and you know keeping the ball close to them more of you know let's get into space and and move the ball that way so I think teams are going a little bit away from that but the thing is is Olivier Giroud is one of those guys that every time he's been given a chance since he's come to Chelsea, he's proved himself every single time. And today is another example of that. And, I mean, even when Olivier Giroud gets a chance to play for France, usually he plays pretty well there too. So I think that it's something that needs to be considered of a change when it comes to Premier League. And even your European competition for Chelsea is something that Lampard needs to kind of incorporate more of, maybe more of a two-striker set where you know Werner and Giroud can start at the top. I don't think Tammy Abraham. I I I don't really like his potential. I think he's kind of hit a ceiling, um, and we've seen everything that he can do. And that's in the Premier League, maybe score ten goals a season, maybe. And you know that's that's not that great. But that, that's you know that's a player that you want to have on your team. That's a player you want to have for depth. That's the Mitchy Batchwise of the world. You know something like that. But. Giroud is one of those players that, again, time and time again, when he's gotten his chances, he's one of those guys, you don't expect him to score the goals that he does, but he does it. So I think that Giroud has rightly earned a place in the starting 11, in my eyes, depending on how they want to move that around. Um, but also, I want to say, you know, obviously, Chelsea in this group, they're playing really severe, and that's it. So, you know, like kind of we talked about, I don't think there's a whole lot going on. Um, in that group that they really have to be concerned about yet but Chelsea can do one thing that most teams today cannot do and that's keep clean sheets especially with Edward Mendy, who's come in we've talked about it before we even started the podcast that this guy has been an absolute rock in the back of the defense ever since he's been put in the squad he's he's had I can't even remember how many clean sheets but a lot and that's something that translates to winning because you can't lose games if the other team doesn't score any goals.
2: He has been uh, phenomenal. And you just look at the schedule, you look at the past schedule, you know, and and how much how low the they're keeping their opponents off the scoreboard. Just as far as, you know, you know, either one goal, you know, sometimes no goals They they've been he's been a huge upgrade at at goalkeeper. Um, But let's let's go to our usual, you know, follow up questions I have for you, gentlemen. Any other games that caught the eye of you guys, the ones that didn't get the, the you know, the favorable, you know, the, the ones that didn't catch my eye, but you would like to give them a shout out, of course. So any, any one game that caught you guys' eye from match day five, as we wrap up this Champions League segment.
1: Gareth, do you have one game, you know, that you caught your eye? Cause I know, you know, personally, uh, you, you know, this man is a busy man. If you don't know the Gareth Clarks of the world, but uh, it's a busy man, but, when you were looking at those score lines uh which which score line caught your eye
2: you know that's a that's a fantastic question um <laughs> you, you know i i really I, I i dug deep right you know you dig deep but you know honestly i think that that porto man city game 0-0 okay. draw i i i heard it, 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 it there was some there's some uh, testiness between the managers of both teams as far as uh, that goes I, I heard pep was uh, uh, or there was some complaining from I think was it Pep I wanna say. Um but yeah I, that that might have caught my eye just as far as you, you like to you like to hear about the the, the backstories and the the follow up stories after a game. So even though there was it was scoreless, you know, you like a little drama here and there.
1: There you go. So you just had to give you some love, you know just to make sure you've had your say before I appreciate I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh I mean there's two games that caught my eye. I'm not gonna talk about one because I don't know if I I'm going to steal it from Miller, but uh, one game that caught my eye I'm not going to talk about is RB Leipzig 4-3. That whole game was crazy just to come back, and for RB Leipzig to scrape that win and put themselves in a good position is crazy. To Yeah, they set themselves up very well, And but the game I'm going to talk about a little bit is Club Bruges with that dominating win over Senate st petersburg because i mean they just dominated that game i mean i don't think a lot of people expect that because then it is a you know a good team you know i'm not saying they're a great team but they're a good team and for club Bruges to get those points and put themselves in a, in a great position i think is huge so i got to give credit to Bruges. i mean control possession uh, uh um they didn't control position excuse me they they outshot them 11 to four and they had five shots on target then it got zero shots on target so that's kind of tells you the tale and you got to give credit to club bruce who put themselves uh, good for the final game day and see if they can move on i still don't not saying that they will but at least they set themselves up for europa league guaranteed
0: yeah um my my one game that i thought was really interesting and this is also from a better perspective uh so this was probably frustrated some other people out there in the world that probably won't listen to our podcast but just so you know i'm there with you um, Adelana played Michelin this week and Michelin is a team that has that had zero points going into this game also a team that had never led for one minute of Champions League football and scored the first goal in this game and Atalanta looked terrible. They couldn't put anything together until the last 15 minutes of the game. Um, they scored in the 80th minute to tie it But it it just, it was a really poor showing. Like Adelana was another one of these teams that last year, they looked like one of these teams that could just score goals at will and couldn't be stopped sometimes and and could make a deep run in the Champions League this year. I definitely don't think that's the case because they've had a much harder time uh, with some of their players, especially Duvon Zapata hasn't been in good form recently um, coming back from national break and everything like that. So I think, Adelana is kind of struggling to get it together a little bit, but this game really surprised me
2: yeah that's a that's a critical game because now IX is st- still on their heels a little bit right now in that group D, so they could have really helped their cause out made that last game a little bit more of a relaxing one, but now they got to go in hard they got to really um, find a way to win uh, all right last question I have for you gentlemen biggest winners biggest loser from match day five who improved who really improved in the, their chances or who you know didn't do so well and really made things harder for themselves biggest winner biggest loser
1: i'll go winner first and then i'll toss it to the miller to give the winner and then he could say loser so i don't take his loser first you know i don't want to i don't want people to think you know miller copies me or i copy him so uh, i'll say my winner first i'm gonna go with uh, a little bias but i think a barcelona team that finally has Griezmann scoring goals I think <laughs> yeah I mean we're, we've been waiting for the days for Griezmann to actually show up and be willing to finish and then um, just the fact that uh, Brethway also did well and then Belly actually got player of the game for his performance and just the way he had playing the wing just those little factors Ricky Puj came in Trin uh, Trincao as they said on the broadcast today he played he performed pretty well uh, but, yeah, the young players are clicking. Griezmann clicked. I mean, they didn't play without Messi. So uh, Messi-reliant team actually got the 3-0 win. So um to them so up well because even if they lose the Juventus, at least they're setting, their goal difference is very nice. So I think Barcelona are my biggest winner. I'm going to hand the penalty to Miller. Miller, you can say, uh, say your winner, loser, and then I'll take it back for the loser.
0: My biggest winner? Oh, do you want me to do both?
1: Yeah, you go for it. I just, I just didn't want to copy your loser just in case, you know. Or, huh,
0: okay. People okay, think, uh, like, okay. okay, my biggest winner this week was Inter Milan, started this week with only two points in the group, got a big win over Mönchengladbach, a team that's been playing at a really high level as of late, who also leads that group, so Inter Milan set themselves up to a position to be able to get back into this group and possibly pass on into the next round of 16, so I think that they had a really big win, uh, coming late from a boost from Lukaku's two goals, and then um, my loser, Edwin. I won't, I won't, I won't take Real Madrid because I know that's who you want to say, um, but I'm actually going to make my loser somebody different, and my loser is going to be kind of a different one. My loser is going to be Atletico Madrid because they played a game where Bayern Munich has, you know, already locked up that group. They're already going to move on no matter what. Bayern Munich played a lot of young kids, mixed in with some older veterans in this game where they played this week. Atletico had to take advantage of that. In my opinion, it was a must-win game because now they're only two points ahead of Salzburg and they're only three points ahead of Lokomotiv. And these games that are going to be coming up for the last leg of the group stage, it's going to be tough. Atletico is going to have to win uh, if they want to be able to
2: move on. All right, Edwin, do you have your loser?
1: Yes, uh, I am. I do have my loser and it's not going to be a team. You know, I always like to do an interesting one. I'm going I'm to shout this one to my, my friends like Miller McCainy, the betters. My losers are the betters out there in the soccer world. A lot of these games, 0-0, 1-1 draws, those are heartbreaking especially for those big teams you know the the Bayern Munich's of the world only getting that one one draw that's huge Lazio and Dortmund that one hit a personal string from one one of one of us three I'm not going to say who it was but it made someone lose a little bit of money I mean a lot of these games and even results like Club Bruges was a little shocker and Adelaide I only gave that draw see I don't think it was a it was definitely not a better friendly Champions League round so I'm a, you know, I'm a shout out the, you know, all the betters out in the world. I think he took a loss this time. So, uh, you know, I always like to give a unique answer. So that's going to be my loser for this round of Chiefs League. You
2: know, you, the, the, the saying goes, we we try and keep it unique. Everyone likes to keep it bold, even though he picked Barcelona as his winner, but that's okay. Um, We're going to, we're going to move on to our table updates and uh, we're going to be previewing. Uh, we're going to be, I shouldn't say preview. We're going to be looking at two leagues, uh, today very quickly but let's start with our, our good old Premier League and um, let's take a look at the table here and we have a tie for first uh, Tottenham with 21 points with Liverpool as well with 21 points one and two respectively Chelsea in third with 19 Leicester City in fourth with 18 and then West Ham in fifth with 17 Southampton sixth with 17 and then Wolves in seventh with 17 as well those round out the top seven uh, Manchester United ninth with 16 Manchester City with in 11th with 15 and then Arsenal down at 14th with just 13 points so gentlemen Tottenham and Liverpool uh, let's start with Tottenham first because this team is rolling right now Hung Min Son you got you know Lucas Moore and those and those guys that are Mourinho seems to have righted the ship, at least temporarily. What what do you think has been the reason for the success so far from from uh, Spurs?
1: I think this season is just crazy where I think a lot of teams will, you know, take advantage and just show up. And I think Tottenham has that talent to, you know, go on and run. And that's what I think we're seeing right now. I think Mourinho, you know, he knows how to win, you know, so much as you hate to see it, but sometimes his park the bus is going to get you. So, I think they're just they're just lucky right now. They're getting a good, good run. I think they're facing the right people at the right time, and I, I just don't know if they can sustain this. I think it's, it could be another case like Everton. You know, we talked about Everton the first few games starting the year, how they dominated and things like that. And then I'm not saying they've fallen, but they're definitely not playing this uh, similar kind of football. But I just think a think like, uh, thing like that's helping them. I think Mourinho is getting the best out of his players. I... I I mean, it's truly sad because, I mean, Kane's injured again. So it's going to be interesting to see Vinicius is going to step in and how, how they're going to fill that void. So I think it's going to it's going to be another uh, season, shockingly so, that he son is going to have to be play out of his mind for, for Tottenham to uh, keep keep this form. And I think Lloris, I mean, if you can keep Lloris playing well, I think that's a key because I think the question was always, he performs well on international stage, how can we not, he performed well for Tottenham. So I I think that's going to be another huge thing. So uh, I think they just have the right form right now, right players playing. But I think it's going to be very interesting if they can sustain that more than anything for me.
0: As Edwin kind of detailed in his answer, I think that this is more of a typical Premier League season that we've seen uh, compared to the last few seasons that I think that, you know, we've gotten as fans as, you know, there's a lot of teams fighting for the top four spots and some teams that you wouldn't have expected. And I think that it's way more interesting that way. Um, It always has been. Uh, I think the Premier League in general is more enjoyable to watch as a sport and as a culture and as a community when everyone is competing. Uh, Especially, you know, the teams like Aston Villa and West Ham who last season were in the relegation zone for the better part of the season. And now they're out here at the, you know, the top side of the table and they're playing well. So I think that those teams are somebody to pat on the back right now. But I think Tottenham specifically, I think that, you know, Edwin kind of said it as well. Um, I'm playing a little bit of copycat here, but Mourinho wins the games that are hard to win. Mourinho does that better than any other professional manager out there. He wins the games that are hardest to win. The games that, you know, the team may not necessarily be motivated or there's a lot of injuries. Mourinho is the guy to get the job done in that situation. And I think that the reason that they're on top of the table now is the opposite of that because Mourinho's had a lot of healthy players this season. He hasn't had to deal with a whole lot of injuries. And also he's, you know, like Edwin said, Lloris has been playing pretty well this season, but I also want to chalk it up to look at how the defense of that team has been playing this season. Adding Sergio Reguilon was huge. He's been playing a really key part uh, of this team as of late and the interesting thing that I want to point out is, you know, we talked about it a little bit uh, before this, but Harry Kane is maybe going to miss some time, uh, at least the game coming up this weekend. And it'll be interesting to see how the players play without him. Hyunmin Son has nine goals so far this season, or at least he did the other day. I don't know if he scored any more since then. Nine goals. The interesting stat to keep in mind here, Hyunmin Sun has never scored more than 15 goals in a Premier League season. So if he can top that this year, maybe he'll be able to carry that team to a higher finish, and maybe Gareth Bale will have something to do with that. But I think that Tottenham are doing really well for themselves right now, putting themselves in a really good position.
2: It's going to be uh, – got some big games coming up against – uh, Arsenal will be one Liverpool they're going to play in about a couple of weeks so they'll be tested and speaking of Liverpool I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on on their defense and Joe Gomez going getting hurt he's had knee surgery and of course Virgil van Dijk uh, he's been hurt uh, with the the ACL so what do you make of Liverpool losing their two center backs and how how how, have they, how are they going to, how have they done so far just kind of moving pieces around i know they have uh, Diogo jota has been a huge burst of energy for them so what do you guys think about how they've been doing i'm sure it's been impressive to see them continue to do their performance right now considering the, the, these injuries that have plagued them
0: let me step into my shoes as the current Real Madrid expert on the show. There's <laughs> one player setting apart this team right now from the rest of the league, in my opinion. And, well, technically there's two. You mentioned one. Diego Jota is playing very well. We talked about him before. He's one of those guys that has somehow just fit into the squad like a glove and has played absolutely perfect at his position, done everything uh, that the manager – has asked of him. And so I think well done to him for that. But there's one player that is a Real Madrid product that is making this team stick out right now. And if you guys know who it is, I just want to see really quick if you guys know who I'm talking about. Gareth shaking his head now.
1: I believe so, but I don't want to take your thunder.
0: It's Fabinho. Fabinho, the Real Madrid product, is slotting into center back and is playing the position as well as he other as, as he can. I mean, he's, he's a natural CDM where he's been playing, you know, his entire career and he's, he's played center back, you know, in the the absence of some of those, uh, the center backs as of late. And I think that he's doing a really good job showing a veteran presence, being able to kind of help this defense, help this team along to continue to get the wins that they need to not only in the premier league, but in champions league as well. So I think that that's somebody to pat on the back and to highlight and say, you know, he's really doing his job and he's sticking out for the manager right
1: now. I, I agree. I think that was a fair thing. So I don't think he gets the credit. He does, even for the Brazil national team, I think he's put in a lot of big spots. And, and I mean, he do, doesn't typically play that center back role as, you know, Miller kind of affected. He's doing so well playing that position. I think he's just a great defensive mind, you know, that in, in the CDM role he accessible because he knows how to position himself. He knows how, uh, when to, you know, you know, as a CDM, you know, push forward with the team, but obviously now it's more of a center back, and now he can focus all his energy on staying back and kind of focusing on the attackers and how to get in position. I think that that role has suited him very well. You know, I think that's something that you got to credit uh, Klopp and uh, for for what he's done and adjusting, and also Liverpool. I mean, it's 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 a COVID year. You know, we see in the NFL, we've seen it where I think at this point you just put whoever can play at that position. You chug him out there and hope for the best, and I think Liverpool has gone. I mean, they that's why they went out and, and got depth this this off this wind this last window because they knew that it was not going to be an easy year, especially with the schedule. So I mean, you got to credit them for patching up things. I mean, that defense has been good. I think they're going to get even tested more as, as the as the year is going to keep going. So it's going to be really up to people like Fabinho to take a huge step forward and make his na- name well known this season for in the Premier League.
2: Let's go to a team now that has been up and down in in the table, and they still they're still you know relatively in the mix. They're eleventh in the table, fifteen points. It's Manchester City um, right now, who have they've had they've had some up and down ups and downs so far uh, in their schedule. But what do you guys make of of City and what Pep has done with that team? And they they I know they've had some. Some injuries as well, and some, you know, some some really shaky defense at times as well. But you know, you, you got some you got some games against Fulham, Manchester United, and, and West Brom coming up that could potentially help. But uh, what do you guys make of City and their performance lately? Um,
1: I, I truly, the thing is, it's very interesting because I mean, before the season started, right? I think this was a make or break year for Pep Guardiola and i thought this was you know by the winter window we're going to figure out if he was going to be the manager next year and all that they silenced those rumors for extension i mean i wonder why it seems like messi's can, can talk to them in january very interestingly so but i mean that that alone i think lots of extensions but yeah i mean this man city team you can't put it any other way than that they're underperforming yes they're a game behind so with with the win, they'll hop up all the way to fifth place, taking over where West Ham is. So I'm not saying they're playing terrible, but for them, with the standards that they have and the players that they have, they got to be up there in the top three. You know, they got to be locked in in that position. So and that, in that sense, I think it's truly not a great look for them, because, I mean, even if you look at the Champions League, I mean, they barely drew Porto. I mean, they, and they barely beat Olympiacos, only 1-0. So, I mean, they're not getting impressive results. I mean, I think the the last impressive, like, truly shocking, like, wow, result was obviously Burnley. I mean, uh, a lot of teams can do that. But I think uh, we go back all the way to the start of um, November, where it was against Olympiacos where they got that big 3-0 win. So, they haven't been looked as impressive since then. I think it's a thing that the players need to pick up their form. I think a lot of their attackers right now are kind of lacking, I think, I think it was too early to call the, the Pep Guardiola extension personally, but I think also you, people like Ferran Torres has also shown shown a little bit, and I mean, even they have Garcia starting out there, and he wants to leave, so I think that kind of tells you the state of that team right now, so I think it's very interesting. You can look at it one way or another. I mean, they get a win they're in fifth, the fifth place, but that's not a guaranteed win, but they're also struggling in the Champions League, so it's 50-50 of the season, I'm not going to judge too early, especially because, I mean, they can go on a run and honestly win this league. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I look at when I look like at Man City right now.
0: Well, I think that everybody's kind of breathing a sigh of relief uh, that, honestly, Man City is having a really tough time because it's been a while since we've seen them struggle like this and not win every single game that they play. So I think that it's a really big sigh of relief from everybody. But the biggest thing that I can accredit this to um, that they're not at the top of the table right now is, you know, Edwin mentioned them not being able to score as many goals as usual, and I think that, you know, I, after you look at everything, Sergio Aguero is the big name that stands out here. He had a, I don't know if it's still going or not. I think it is, but a 300-plus day goal drought, especially since you know he had a big injury and whatnot. But that's almost a year without scoring a goal. And that's, you know, your top goal scorer, that's somebody that, you know, when he has healthy seasons, he can sit there and be the guy that's going to contend for the Golden Boot in the Premier League every single season that he plays. So I think that that's something to accredit it to. I think that, you know, there's some players that are younger on here that are trying to get more experience. You know, the Phil Foden's of the world, uh, the Farron Torres of the world, who's been a bright spot for them lately. Um, but you know, as a team, they just haven't been functioning like they were. And I, I I don't really have a finger to put on the nose of what it is right now, but I think that it's really interesting. Edwin brought up the point about Messi, um, you know, his, you know, rumor about transfer going there, because there's also another big rumor about, uh, kind of transfer news and it's Kevin De Bruyne is on the pen about to sign a five-year extension of his contract at Manchester City and I think it'll be interesting to see that if Manchester City continue to have kind of a mid-level performance for the next few weeks going past Christmas and into January I want to see how long it takes Kevin De Bruyne to sign that contract if he signs it at all so I think that that'll be something to watch for as well.
2: Real quick, before we move on to our La Liga table update, Miller-McKaney, your thoughts on Edinson Cavani's performance so far after being uh, signed by Manchester United?
0: What do you think I'm going to say? I mean, <laughs> the, the guy came into the game after being down 2-0 at half, after most people would probably shut the game off, and he came on and was the spark of hope and scored two goals on headers. I actually looked it up because I was really interested in talking to you about this other day, Gareth. I looked at the people that held the records for the most headed goals in the Premier League to see, uh, you know, if Edison Cavani had a chance to pass that. And not specifically in the Premier League does he have a chance, but maybe overall headed goals in his career, maybe depending on how he plays for the next couple of years while he's at United uh, because he signed that lucrative deal. But the actual – uh, record holding player with the most headed goals in the premier league is Peter Crouch who has 53 headed goals in all of his premier league play. And that's a really big number to eclipse. So I don't know if it'll be able to happen anytime soon.
2: I mean, yeah, you, we were talking about it at, you know, throughout the week and just how his performance that against Southampton, I mean, he always seems to find the way to impact the game, right. With, with his headers or with, you know, on that right foot. Um, but he's, I'm sure he's been, as you said, he's been a spark and uh, let's move on now to another, another league that has provided some spark as well. It's the La Liga. And you look at this table right now for the, uh, for La Liga and you see Real, Real Sociedad. Am I pronouncing that right? Hopefully I am with my Spanish um, knowledge. They're in first right now with 24 points and it's not Real Madrid or Barcelona in second. It's Atletico Madrid in second with 23 points. Atletico is on a roll right now. Villarreal in third with 20. And then Real Madrid down there in fourth with 17. Sevilla in fifth with 16. Where is Barcelona? Barcelona is down in seventh with 14 points. And so, gentlemen, let's uh, get into this, you know, and I'll start off here with – with with Edwin Perez and, and Barcelona right now in seventh with fourteen points, um, how's how's this team doing right now? You, you mentioned that that Griezmann's starting to get involved a little bit. Is this team, even though they're in seventh, are they on the upswing?
1: Um, I think first I think I gotta give credit to Atletico. Now I know, I know uh, we got the Madrid expert overall and Miller McKinney who can both talk about Real and Atletico the overall expert, But I mean, Atletico, they're two games behind uh, Real Sociedad. And they only need to get a point, which I think they, they're playing out of their mind right now where they can easily get a draw and probably a win. I, that's what I'd see. So they'll, they'll be up that. But I mean, Barcelona's not in a bad, bad place. I'm not saying they're an ideal spot. I mean, if you ask any Barcelona fan right now, they'll be probably freaking out that they're at where they're at. But I mean, they're two games behind. 14 points. Let's say, let's say, hypothetically, they get two wins, you know, that'll put them right where Villarreal is, you know, in, third, in that third spot. And, you know, heading into this next season, there's going to be a lot of games coming up that are going to be important for them. So if they can start picking up the form and people like Griezmann are going to are doing that right now, Dembele is looking good. And I think those key players that they need to play, I mean, I'm uh, um, forgetting his name right now. Manziaga is the uh, kind of center back who stepped in for Barcelona right now. Uh, and he's performed very well. I mean, he's a La Masia product, and now he stepped in and, and done so well in that role. So I think a lot of those players that they need the clicking are clicking. I mean, Messi, he was rested, and for, him, for them to be doing as well in Champions League is just a shock. So you got to give credit to Barcelona. Yes, they should be winning more games. And I think they will as it starts going on. I think their focus will be more on the league as it gets more on because I don't think they'll make it further in Champions League. I mean, I I hope they do, but I don't think they will. So I think this favors them a lot. I think Real Madrid also—you got to give them credit. I mean, they they are winning. They're also where Villarreal is. So Clasico is going to be huge. I mean, but at the end of the day, Athletic Madrid, I think, are dominating that La Liga. I think the way that people expected Real Madrid or Barcelona to do this season. So credit them for the way that the La Liga is going so far, and their win against uh, Barcelona without Ilir Suarez.
2: Barcelona is a is a team that it seems like every game it's gonna it, it isn't a guarantee it's it's gonna be uh usually something interesting will happen it's not a guaranteed win and that that's the state of it i'm sure it's interesting for those uh for the opposing teams as well but uh i want to bring it now to miller for and i want your take here on atletico Madrid on the team that is rolling through uh they've only played uh nine La Liga games so far they haven't lost though and they've only conceded two goals the entire season Jan Oblak has been fantastic the defense has been fantastic so Mr. McKinney I mean what do you make about this Atletico Madrid team right now
0: yeah and I mean I've said it before I think that Diego Simeone is one of the best managers in the in the world if not I don't know if I call him the best, but for the talent that he has and the style that he plays, he's definitely in top three uh, managers in the world. So I think that, you know, this is just another example season of he's got the player that he players that he wants and, you know, they're executing what he wants them to do and look how it's turning out for them. They're playing really well. So I think it's really actually kind of funny uh, that, you know, Antoine Griezmann, while he was at uh, Atletico Madrid, before he made the big transfer to Barca, that was always Atletico's goal was, you know, let's beat Barcelona. Let's beat Barcelona. And they could never do it. And and now that Griezmann has switched sides and, and you know, um, Joao Felix has come in and filled the role of Antoine Griezmann and, you know, been a younger player, maybe a more inspiring player even uh, in his time there. I think that, you know, it's just kind of an ironic situation that, you know, they were finally able to get it done and Griezmann's on the other side. So I think that, you know, obviously if they continue to play it the way that they do, they could have a real, real shot at possibly winning this thing this year. But for teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid, I think they're a bit fortunate that this league isn't like the Premier League in the fact that it's not as close at the top of the table. It's not as close in the championship race for the European spots. So I think that, you know, it is a long season. Thirty-eight games. They'll they'll have some time to get it back, and they look like they may be on the upswing of things.
2: Well, that that's as you said. I mean, Letico they've had their they've had their moments and um it's it's they had it in the champions league against uh against liverpool before everything shut down and so this is a team that has that talent as you said and i don't think if, if anybody knows miller miller is one of the biggest Jao felix proponents out there one of the biggest fans a huge believer in him and you, you see that talent he's still incredibly young so um again i think it should be fun to see atletico again um you know run it back uh but now let's move on to our next segment and with the fifa fifa pro world 11 soon to be announced on december 17th in zurich uh you know we we thought here at dtp that it'd be pretty neat to do it again we did this a little bit last a little bit like last year so we're going to be uh naming our dtp world 11 we got our dynamic duo of experts here to list their best 11 players from this year uh, in our version of the DTP world 11 all right gentlemen so are you guys ready we got uh you guys are going to be naming a goalkeeper four defenders three midfielders and then three attackers sort of like a a a 4-3-3 you could say so um I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we should uh we should do this. I think we should go one position at a time. Uh, we are running a little bit out of time, but let's go very quick, brief explanations for each and every position, starting with uh, the goalkeeper. So, who was the best goalkeeper this year? No, nah, no, nah,
1: flip it, flip it. Listen, the attackers are going to take the least time, at least in my opinion. Uh, okay, all right. Like, let's fine, be real fine. here. Fine. Let's all right.
2: All right. All right. Fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Attackers. Attackers. All right.
1: Uh, and Miller, we'll keep going back and forth. Who goes first? My striker is uh, Lewandowski. Not a shocker, really. I mean, like at the season he had. I mean, people expected the Ballon d'Or, so I guess they'll get they'll hand him this. So I'll go I'll Lewandowski.
0: No chance. I'm picking a different player. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess let me go to the left wing then. And for my left wing, you know, for left and right wing. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna go through this really fast. But there hasn't really been a whole lot of players that um, have really been at these positions that have kind of topped uh you know what it has been in the past where there's been such a tight group race in the past but I'm I'm still gonna put Sadio Mane as my left wing.
1: Ooh okay okay I like I like the choice um but you gotta realize this is the FIFA 11 and they like the most biggest names even if they don't have that great of a year and I'm gonna go Ronaldo you know me as a best fan. I gotta admit it come on you gotta realize they love Ronaldo. He's not a wing
0: anymore.
1: <laughs> I know, but they'll still move him to the wing if at the, you know them. That they'll move players around just to fit them. But okay, okay, fine, fine. Ronaldo around.
0: and Messi play wherever they want. Yeah,
1: it, yeah, exactly. They they literally, literally, if it was just one attacker, they would put Messi in the center back and call the best player at that position. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Ronaldo. But again, if that's true, they follow that criteria like they should. I'm gonna put Neymar there. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I'm going to go right wing first just so they don't take it. I'm going to go, again, boring answer, got to do it. You know they're always going to put him on there regardless of the situation. Messi, you know, just, just the man, the myth, the legend. They love to having those big names. They love La Liga, for some reason, the best 11, so I'm going to
0: go Messi. I'm actually going to be the person that, uh, you know, probably makes the boneheaded mistake of not putting Messi or Ronaldo in my 11. But for my right wing, I'm going to put Kylian Mbappe as a player up there that you know has also had a really good year don't know if he's passed Messi yet you know he hasn't had the goal scoring numbers or anything this year for sure um but in terms of talent wise and production on the field I would take Mbappe and then I guess we'll move into the midfield now Edwin I'm I'm gonna go with one center mid uh sort of a center attacking center mid and I'm gonna go Joao Felix in this spot as Gareth kind of alluded to him. I'm going to slide him back. He usually plays a little bit higher up the pitch, but I'm going to go with Joao Felix at a center attacking mid in this 4-3-3. Uh, he's a guy that ever since uh, my personal fan favorite of my entire life, uh, Kaká, said that this guy is up next, so I'm going to put him in my world 11. Wow. Okay. Well,
1: again, I, you listen, I love the pick. Again, I, I don't think I'd be mad if that was the pick, but I'm going to go the, the way FIFA 11 thinks biggest names is going to be there especially if they do well that MVP of the Premier Premier League last year was Kevin De Bruyne and so I think he will be the one who ends up in the best 11 and I and I you know I think fairly so I think he had such a great year what he did so I I, I got to give credit to Kevin De Bruyne but I'm gonna go a center mid and I think another thing FIFA 11 likes to do so I'm kind of predicting what they're going to do and a little bit of me is they like people who won a lot. And last year, who won a lot? Bayern Munich. And one of those center mids that performed very well, Joshua Kibich. So I'm going to give Kibich the nod in the FIFA best, best 11 as I hand it off to Miller.
0: Okay, so I'm actually going to – my four three three is going to be a little bit more attacking. We're going to go two f- forward and center, center mids. Uh, <laughs> and a guy that actually contends with Edwin's last uh, – the first pick, actually, he made of the last round – uh, my center mid for this spot is going to be Bruno Fernandez, who since joining Manchester United in the Premier League has had more goals and goal involvements and chances created than Kevin De Bruyne. So maybe we see the crown pass sometime soon. But I'm going to go Bruno Fernandez in that spot to join Joao Felix. And then for my last center mid spot, I'll go with the conventional CDM spot. And I think Kimmich was a really good pick. But to save, you know, a little bit of individuality, I'm going to go with a different guy. And I'm actually going to go with Fabinho, who I said has been playing really well at center back. But I really like how he's been playing ever since he joined Liverpool at CDM. And I think that he's hard to top.
1: I think that's a great, I think, great pick. Uh, But we're going to keep individuality. I Thinking like FIFA best 11, thinking put the cap on. Your one issue is Real Madrid. Where, where where's that team at? They always love, they always love to hype him up. I'm gonna put Casemiro in there. Again, I'm not saying he maybe is the best center back. I mean center, center mid, but I think he performed very well. I mean, if we we're gonna make bull picks, I'm gonna put Delkin Rice there. But I mean, I'm just gonna think the way the best best eleven does, so I'm gonna put Casemiro at that center mid position. But we're gonna go to that four line. I'm gonna do a traditional four line. I'm gonna keep it real. I'm going to start off that left back, and I don't think – I'd be shocked if Miller says something different than Alfonso Davies in the season that he had and just all the wins. So um, if you do say anything different, let me know, Miller, but I'd be shocked.
0: I, I can't really disagree with you here, Edwin. I don't know if a lot of people can. Uh, there's not a lot of candidates out there right now that I think could top – Uh, what Alphonso Davies has done the past year. So I'm definitely going to put him there. And then going to the opposite side of the pitch, we'll go with right back to leave the center backs, you know, as a pair. Um, But my right back is obviously going to be Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think that he is uh, the best offensive for sure right back he does have his problems on defense but I think that going forward if you had to pick a right back in the world you would pick him wanted to put one sock out there because that kid's by clocks, but I just couldn't do it he's just not good enough with the ball yet so I got to go with Trent Alexander-Arnold at the right back position
1: uh I agree with that pick I really can't change that much to be honest with you I you know I do want to go bold and you know I think uh, maybe in a year or two it might be an American named Sergino Des the way he's performing but uh I'm gonna have put Trent in there and then I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the center back and you know as much as I'm a Barcelona fan and I hate to admit it but just the year that Sergio Ramos had I think we'll get him that one of those two center back positions just the way he capped that team they relied on him he showed up 13 goals last year, which was very crazy for him. The way he led both the attack and defense was very weird, but he was just a huge component to Real Madrid's success. So I think, I mean, Ramos has to be on that team, at least from the FIFA 11 perspective and my perspective. So and should to see Miller's uh, two center backs uh, helping out. I mean, you're a Real Madrid expert. If you don't have Ramos in there, I'd be a, a little shocked personally, just a little bit.
0: Uh, you know, Oh, I've got Sergio Ramos in there. I got to step into the the shoes of the expert really quick. Uh, But absolutely, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, at the very top, uh, if not top three of player of the year award. I think that he's had a really good individual year and put that team on his back. So for one of my center backs, I'm definitely going to put Sergio Ramos. For the other center back position, however, I think it gets a little bit tough because, you know, this one you can kind of get creative with. In the past, a lot of people would say his, his partner back there, Rafael Varan, could be back there. But this year, absolutely not. What I've seen out of that guy, not good enough. Um, I think, you know, I got to go with the vanilla answer here and go Virgil van Dijk. Even though he is going to be hurt for a long time, I think he's going to be there.
1: Again, I'd like to be bold. I'd love to say anything else, and I, I really do. You know, I'll, even, I'll I mean, uh, long lay. I'd love to say him, but that's not realistic. Frankie Deion, he played a few times center back. Love to say him, but I, it's got to be Virgil. I mean, just, just the impact he yeah, has on that team. I think, I'm, and also thinking the FIFA 11 way. I mean, he's just won such a big name in that center back world, and it's what he's done. So I got to give him that. And goalkeepers. Now, I, I think this is an interesting position because the. There could be the O Black, which I think is a fair shout. And, you know, I'd love to give it the Dr. the Allison, the Ederson. There's a lot of good keepers right now. Or the Mendy, maybe next year if he keeps playing the way he is. But if I'm looking at the way FIFA 11 is going to do it, they're going to go with the goalkeeper who's won the most. He's, he's done pretty well. He showed up in big moments. And that is Manuel Neuer. Now, again, I, you know, not my favorite pick. I'd rather pick O Black any day, but I think the way that they're going to pick it and I mean yes he had a phenomenal year for you know how many trophies won, won and he, you know his good uh, capability so I'm gonna give it to Manuel Neuer.
0: Oh that's a really good pick actually and I really respect that um, and I gotta go vanilla again I'm gonna be the guy that has an O-block and goal I still don't think there's anybody if you put him on any team I think he's gonna compete out there Uh, better than any other player at the position right now. You talked about the Mindys of the world that are playing really well at the moment, the Gulashis that are playing for Leipzig, goalkeepers out there that are really making a name for themselves. But right now it's still a block.
2: All right, gentlemen, thank you for your descriptions there. You have named a lot of great athletes and now you have to narrow it down to one. The DTP best men's player of the year is who? Penalty God for
1: Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to have to pick the God himself. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would love uh, – that would be very interesting. Uh, also, shout out Mason Greenwood, you know, for his <laughs> a few appearances off the bench. But I'm going to give it – you know, the guy – if Ballon d'Or was this year, I think he really do deserve it. And I think you can't say any other name than Lewandowski. Golski. I mean – I. Yeah, I mean, he's just truly – we could go down the stats and all that. Just the year that he had. It was just so impactful what he did there. Big reason why you know, Bayern Munich was so uh, – played so well. But if I'm a vote, you know, we have three votes. I'm putting my Lewandowski in there. I'm sneaking a Neymar pick, too, just in case. But I'm, I'm, Hey, hey,
2: hey, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how it works. That's not how voting works.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying I'll, I'll double vote and put this Neymar is in not, there. This it's, is
2: not a double – you can't do double votes. This is not two votes <laughs> out here. <laughs> I'm
1: just saying, if Miller put Neymar in there, you're going to get Neymar. There we go. We won. But yeah, I'm going to put Lewin
0: Golski. All right. Well, since Edwin got a double vote, I'm also going to go double. Um, But my, my first vote is going to be more realistic. It's going to be Sergio Ramos for me. I think he's had a really good year, um, similar to how I thought Van Dyke should have won it, uh, you know, the last time around. But I think that I think that Sergio Ramos is in a really good year. And if you look at his numbers, best center back numbers, no doubt. He's led that team to everything that they've accomplished. And that's, you know, not as much as it should be. But if I really wanted to put somebody, if I really wanted to put somebody, I would personally put Erling Holland as my player of the year. He's been, in my ideal scenario, the most efficient and the most exciting player to watch scoring every goal. That he does, Lewandowski should win it, but Erling Holland is putting up similar numbers on the other team in Germany. So I would take Erling Holland as my pick, but that's more of a just who I want it to be.
2: That's that's an interesting pick right there for Erling Holland. I I really like that. It is. It is. I like. I like the. I like the creativity from our. I like the different type of versions we have here. We got. We got the more realistic version. And then we have the more. What. What. What should actually happen? The more. You know. The. The. The, the opinions of our. Of our fantastic panel here, uh, but alrighty. That. That's gonna do it for. Um, that's gonna do it for the DTP World Eleven. Um, again uh, I like I like all the opinions I like our choices we got I, I'll say for my just for the sake of it Lewandowski's got my pick for the DTP best men's player of the year um shout out to all the, the Polish people out there um that, that that have been waiting a long time but um all right we're we're now serving the bonus section here we we've definitely <laughs> exceeded our hour we are an hour uh, six minutes into this and uh you know what you know what that you know the what we this is you know this is how we end it this is how we got to end it it's picks it's picks our our bold picks this is what we do here on this show miller mckaney would you like to begin first with our with your picks for the weekend as far as uh for those who are looking to get cheeky and edwin perez uh, yes real quick quick.
1: make your picks and then we're going to incorporate a little bit of edwin segment your one christmas wish you know (laughs) we're not going to talk until christmas your one christmas wish for the next footy year, you know, uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna grant that one wish for you, Miller, and uh, please be more original than a uh, Man United <laughs> Champions League win. So I uh, need uh, something more interesting, like a, a signing or something like that. But yeah, you go first with your picks and your Christmas wish.
0: Okay, I'll I'll uh, I'll give you some some viable some viable picks really quick. Um, looking at the slate of the games that are to come up, it's so tough because okay, we're over time here, so I'm just going to say this to y'all, but I want to talk about how Kansas City is playing Minnesota United tomorrow, but, like, on Friday, it's not going to matter, so I'll just go Champions League uh, for, you know, the final round of games, and I've got a couple of really good ones, so I say, here are my picks, and I'm staying away from Man United, so my picks, first game and Gladbach versus Real Madrid. What do I like in this game? You might ask. I like Munchen Gladbach to win the game. I think that Munchen Gladbach will probably be plus money, and you can make a lot of money on this pick. So I'm going to take that one. Uh, scrolling down to my next pick is going to be Inter Milan to complete their run back to the top of the group against Shakhtar. They'll probably be favored in this game. Don't know how by how much. I haven't looked at the lines quite yet because I don't think they've released them, but Inter Milan should be the favorite to win this game and they should win this game. Um, And then my last and final pick for this semester of DTP is going to be, and wait for it, PSG and Istanbul are playing. And I'm going to take the tie in this game. I think that this is really ballsy. <laughs> I think that this is really ballsy. But PSG, I think, in moments where they really need to win games, they've never done it. They've never done it not once. They haven't done it in Champions League final. They never, they've never done it against Manchester United until this week. But playing Istanbul is a team that's been sneaky in this group. They've scored some goals. They've, you know, they they played well against Manchester United. They played well against Leipzig. PSG is one of those teams where they can take their foot off the gas and go to sleep. So I would say a shocking tie in that game.
2: Wow. That's, that's quite the bold pick. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going <laughs> to go even more with the Istanbul winning, but no, that, that, that seems a little bit more reasonable, I guess. All right, Mr. Perez, do you have any uh, picks that can be even bolder than Miller's?
1: Oh, you know, I do. I love it. Um, here's the thing, you know, Miller and Keeney did more recent games. You know, that's fair. You know, I'm going bold. You know why I'm going bold? I'm going after Christmas Day. I'm doing picks that are post-Christmas. <laughs> uh, so, so, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, you have to bet before Christmas, and then post-Christmas you're going to get an extra gift if you bet my games. I am looking at the 27th. Uh, the, a man named Garrett Clock's going to wake up. You know, he's going to – it's 11.15 a.m. He's going to realize his favorite human son is playing – his favorite team in Wolverhampton, and people, I am not picking Tottenham, the league leader. I am picking Wolverhampton. Raul Jimenez is going to have a game. He, this is going to be, I think, one of the downfalls of Tottenham, post-boxing day and everything. You know, they're going to get them in the spirit. So December 27th, that Gary clock, he's going to be happy. He has his PS4. He's going to be enjoying life, and he's going to be watching that that game and realizes Wolverhampton pull out a big win. Okay, again, I'm keeping the thing post-Christmas, you know, got to get the far out, you know. And I'm going to look at the bold one. Atletico Madrid is on the road playing Getafe, a team that is not performing very well. But guess what? Post-Christmas, I think uh, Simone and the boys are not going to be as ready. You know, they're going to take the break a little too fun, and they're going to get a draw against Getafe. So you can shock that one up. And, uh, you know, for my final pick... It's, it's, it's kind of hard because, you know, where do I go? How far do I go into the future? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to always back him, you know. Just kidding. I'm, I'm going to actually go Man United, Aston Villa. New year, new Man United. I'm not going to say that they only win. They're going to beat Aston Villa by three goals. That is right. Man United has an absolute show in on january 2nd new year new man united those are my picks post christmas very bold because we don't even know how they're going to be playing what injuries but that's what i do here
2: wow that's uh united over villa by three goals of course i am writing these down to hold you guys accountable next time we uh we 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 meet but um all right well those were some some interesting picks i'm i'm happy that we uh we got them all in and uh so for the last time gentlemen what for the last time this year, for the last time this semester, we'll we'll be back next semester. Don't worry for those that are listening. We're gonna be back next semester. But for those that uh that, that are listening, gentlemen, what, what what are your final words of wisdom out there for for the kids and uh, for those that are listening?
1: <laughs> instead of final words, let's do our Christmas wish. Miller, you're gonna you know you you write down your list. You're gonna send it to Santa, uh, hoping that the football gods are looking down on you. <laughs> so we're gonna do our, our Christmas wish. Wish. My Christmas wish, you know, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to say, you know, this is the year Neymar needs Ballon d'Or. This is the year that he needs to go back to Barcelona or stick it with PSG because I think Mop is dipping. So you got to go back to Barcelona and he's going to win the Ballon d'Or. That's what's going to be on my list. And then the sub-bullet point, England winning the Euro. But that's not the not the main wish. So just if I had two wishes, that would be that. But uh, passing it to Miller.
0: All right. I've got a pretty big ask for my Christmas wish.
2: Uh-oh, um, uh-oh.
0: It's a guy that's running out of contract after this season at the current team that he's at. Trying to make a return to Manchester United, Cristiano Ronaldo returns to Old Trafford <laughs> for receiving through balls from Bruno Fernandes. I don't think there's anything that could make me more happy than that. So that is my Christmas wish.
2: Wow, that's a pretty Miller. You've really raised the bar here. I gotta say that that's a tough one to beat. Um, You know, you know, you know. Everybody knows. I think everybody who's listening to the show, who's a diehard, knows how much uh, I love Hungman Son. And I think if he, he if he can continue sustaining his play, if he grabs that PFA Player of the Year at the end of this season, woo! That would be that would be a, a great Christmas wish from uh, from Santa out there. So Hungman Son, uh, I'm gonna have to meet you someday don't know when or where or if ever but uh but a uh, a a player a player of the year award not just the player of the month he can rack up all the player of the months that's, that's easy player of the year man that would be quite the accomplishment for uh, for not only him but for uh, for any uh, any Koreans out there that aspire to to become like him and and that that's going to do it that's going to do it for this episode of of dissecting the pitch Thank you all for tuning in all semester long. And as well as this episode in particular, we'll have this posted up on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. But, uh, but gentlemen, it's been a pleasure uh, doing this all semester. It's been some weird times having to do this through zoom and not, not in, in person in the radio station, but uh, you know, we're going to be back again next semester. And there's going to be a lot, still plenty of soccer to talk about. So uh, I wanted to wish you guys a great happy holidays for you guys. Happy holidays.
1: Take it easy. Enjoy some footy. Now you got time, Gareth. No excuses now. Yeah. Enjoy but, some good
2: old footy. You're right. You're right. Well, for my co-hosts, Edwin Perez and Miller McCaney, I'm Gareth quack saying so long, and we will see you all next time.